I say that for the benefit of other folks because you, you have to look at every single deal, whether it's business, multifamily, senior housing, real estate, doesn't matter what it is. Look at each deal independently. Right. And certainly the principles involved are a key factor, but you've got to crunch the numbers each and every time before making that investment. Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I am with Michael Osterhoff today, and we are going to talk about senior housing. Uh, Mike brings over 20 years of legal experience and over a decade, decade specifically in the healthcare space. Mike has been general counsel and chief legal advisor to a number of healthcare companies. Now, Mike is focused on the development of senior living facilities in the commercial real estate sector and advising startup companies. He is currently involved in the development of Meadowview of Johnston in Johnston, Iowa, and the Villas at Stony Point in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Mike is also an investor in a number of other real estate projects around the country. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Alpesh. I appreciate it. I hope I covered everything from my bio. <laughs> uh, you, did a, you did a great job. Hopefully the listeners are still uh, tuned in. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll try to keep them on, right? <laughs> Anytime they start hearing uh, bios from lawyers, uh, it can quickly put them to yeah, sleep. So, yeah, uh, so, and that reminded me of a book by Mark Kohler, who is my CPA, Lawyers Are Liars. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I hope uh, <laughs> that's only a few instances and not here, but yeah, I'll just remind you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hey, so Mike, tell us something interesting about yourself, which, you know, we don't know. (laughs) Yeah, interesting about me, right? I I moved from uh, the legal world as a partner to, you know, a large law firm downtown Chicago for many, many years, became general counsel. Now I'm developing uh, senior housing. But I think what's more interesting is uh, my wife, uh, Kay and I are uh, part of a blended family. And as of a few days ago, our youngest turned 13, which means we now have six teenagers, 13, 14, 15, wow. 16, 17, and wow. 18 in the family. Yeah, I, I feel for you, man. <laughs> during, during a lockdown, it gets uh, very interesting. It's, it's there's difficult. some awesome moments that I will never forget, and there's right. other moments I wouldn't <laughs> mind forgetting, but still thankful for both. Yeah, no, and I, I'm still a little bit away from that. My uh, oldest is uh, 10. So, yeah, a couple more or three years to go. <laughs> it's, it's coming. It's coming fast. Yes. <laughs> so, so why did you choose to be in real estate? You, you yeah, are an attorney, general counsel to real estate. Yeah, really the attraction was, uh, you know, being a passive investor, having that regular income from properties was very attractive uh, to me. Um, you know, as an attorney, uh, it's just a, a, a huge amount of time, right? We have to bill hours and right. you can't get more time back. So I wanted to try and capture time going forward. And so that was really the impetus for it was to begin investing in real estate so I could generate 
uh, passive income. And then I had the opportunity to switch over from being a full-time general counsel to healthcare company into development. And it really is a passion of mine. I've got a, a passion for seniors and developing uh, you know, great projects for them. Um, and at the same time, taking care of our investors uh, going forward. So that's, that's how it's a long winded way of saying that's how I got into real estate. I really want to be able to spend more time with family and spend more time in some of the ministries I support. Right. So what was your very first real estate investment or a deal? Yeah. You know, my first one, uh, which was a bit of a disaster, but probably not my, my worst one ever was a, was a fix and flip in downtown Chicago. Oh, wow. I'm an attorney. It's, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And, uh, we, we bought, uh, a three flat, um, in the, the loop area, which is a nice area of Chicago and decided to deconstruct it into a single family. Uh, and, okay. you know, single families were booming back then. We finished right. the project in 2008. Oh, <laughs> my God. I, I know where this is going. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Needless to say, it took us about two years to finally sell the property. Wow. Um, you know, made a little bit of money, but compared to the, the time, effort, and yes. pain, and the carrying uh, costs and everything, yeah, I know. Yes, you know exactly. But but so, that that's that's good start though, right? Because not not yes. not from perspective of just uh, you know losing money or not making anything, but learning a lot from it, right? So my first investment, and I always talk about it, that it was a disaster. I lost over thirty grand, uh, but I learned a lot from it, and then I decided not to, you know, uh, I decided to continue. I didn't back up, right? So. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I, I think you would have learned really good lessons out of it. Yeah, tremendous lessons, although I was not as uh, intelligent as you. You kept pushing forward. Uh, I did not. It took me a little, little time to get back into it again, uh, but thankful that I did. For sure. Yes, no, that's awesome. So how and why did you pick senior housing? And, and, and just a caveat that I am, it's, uh, you know, we are recording this on August 7th. We are and uh, and personally, Wealth Matters is closing on our first senior housing uh, project. Uh, you know, next week uh, on August 14th. So I I am you know looking forward to senior housing. But how and why did you pick senior housing? Yeah, likewise for me too. Um, I think I mentioned to you earlier that we've got a a closing on Tuesday. Yes, That's on our Johnson Iowa project. So we're very excited about that. Looking forward to getting that project closed. Um, you know, for me, it was part of a, a transition. So I invested in and am invested in several multifamily projects. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also invested with Paul Moore and Wellings Capital yes. in yes. public storage. And, and Paul's done a, a great job. Yeah, Paul's done a good job, yes. Yeah, no with doubt. that fund, I'm, I'm excited to be in there. Um, but, you know, with multifamily and looking to potentially develop in that area, we, I just saw that the cap rates were getting really, yes. really compressed, right? From 17 to 18, 19. They're getting crushed. <laughs> They're getting crushed, right. Yeah. And, and the value add proposition, which I love, you know, when it works, it was getting to a point where you really had to thread the needle. So I was looking for some other opportunities um, in the real estate sector and had the opportunity to meet and get to know some developers, invest in some of their properties, and then decide, hey guys, why don't we come together? Why don't we build a company here and really build a brand? And so that's what we did. And that's that's what 
started uh, Meadowview Senior Living. That's awesome. So, uh, and, and senior housing, you know, I, I keep hearing about the silver tsunami. What are the statistics on the silver tsunami? It's, it's coming. You know, I, I would, I'm, I'm happy to share lots of stats and I, I would encourage your, your viewers and listeners to make sure you do your own homework. Right, you know, dig in, do the diligence, look at the, the hard data. But the, the reality is we've got 10,000 plus seniors being out of the U.S. population every day for the next 20 plus years. I mean, that, those are tremendous numbers, coupled yes. with the fact that I think by about 2035, they're projecting about 80 million seniors in the United States, which would represent about 20% of the population. And that doesn't even count or take into account um, immigration and other factors like that. So you're looking at a, a huge population boom uh, amongst seniors. So those are just some of the statistics, and I, you know, I I just don't see that changing anytime soon. That's awesome. And um, what was your very first senior housing investment or deal? I, if you can talk about that one. Yeah, you know, I wanted to share. Um, first first deal was uh, was a couple years back, and that's in an assisted living facility uh, that is. Uh, operational in Cedar Rapids um, that went live about well as late last year so we're in ramp up mode right now and that's steadily uh, beginning to ramp up again you know obviously we had uh, lockdowns and couldn't do tours there for about 90 days that was almost nationwide uh, but beginning to ramp up uh, right now so that's great uh, that one's taken off and then we've got several others um, in our portfolio um, two in Minnesota we've got two that are, will be under construction in Iowa, as, long as, as well as the one in outside Cedar Rapids. And then we're looking to build probably three to four more projects over the next 12 to 18 months. So why did you choose to develop a new facility versus acquiring an existing one? I, I'm focused on acquiring an existing one which is already working or maybe not working, so I have all the infrastructure ready to go. But why did you choose to go with developing a new facility? Yeah, so a little bit based on the, the background of senior housing. So um, senior housing was historically, there's about 4% development every year. And that continued up to about 2000, 2001. And then it dropped down to about 1% annually until about 2015, 2016-ish. So it was very flat as far as development for many, many years. So what you have is you have facilities, I think almost 50% of senior housing was built pre-2000. And why that matters is because back then they were building facilities that had smaller rooms, lower ceilings, entranceways that weren't two stories and didn't have all the amenities that seniors expect and want today, right? Seniors today, they've, they've been on cruises, they've experienced right. sort of like living, right? So they want pools and spas and movie theaters and ice cream parlors and coffee right. bars and all these things. So facilities back then, they just, they didn't have that and they weren't built for it. So you'd almost have to completely uh, go down to the studs of an older facility in order to bring it up to today's standards. I think it's just cost prohibitive. So for us, we know exactly what we want to build uh, for our seniors, our 
our facilities and communities are typically about 100 units okay. size. And it's just very difficult to go back and put together those types of projects. Right, right. And, and what kind of amenities does your facilities offer to seniors? Yeah, yeah. Typically, we bring the table, uh, like I just said, we'll have movie theaters, we'll have arts and crafts rooms, we'll have small walking trails, a pond, we'll have a, an indoor pool, spa, um, we'll have wellness facilities where we'll bring in uh, an instructor. You know, we want to provide our seniors with not just the, the best living, but also give them the ability to, to continue living and strengthening themselves. And does the senior housing also have like, you know, multifamily or resorts type of deal where you compare them to three star, four star, five star or ABC class? It, it, it does. I mean, these are A-class type okay. properties, right? Um, they're going to have all those amenities that, like I said, that, that seniors would expect from resort style living. Sure. So, so when you say A-class property, right, what kind of neighborhood do you choose? Because I saw that the one you picked in Johnston, right, and then there is Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So how yeah. did you choose those uh, states and the neighborhood, uh, keeping in mind that you are going to construct an A-star facility if you are going to get this kind of, you know, residence in the uh, facility? Yeah, so, so we are looking for, you know, strong uh, neighborhoods. For example, Johnson, Iowa is one of the wealthiest suburbs in all of Iowa. It's just okay. outside Des Moines. It's growing. So you've got your 30, 40 somethings moving in there who want to be close to their parents. They've got strong incomes. They have um, on the senior communities, they have a strong um, wealth profile, if you will, as well. Uh, their residences are paid off those are the types of factors we're looking at when we look for a location. And then once we do that type of early due diligence, then we bring in, um, you know, our analysts do a full market study and typically right. we'll do at least two market studies to confirm and reconfirm what our early due diligence is showing. Got it. So for the market studies, do you, um, you know, go through a, a website or a tool like in multifamily world, we can look at Yardi metrics or, CoStar, does something like that exist for senior housing? You know, we use independent third parties okay. who have a ton of experience. Um, one of the benefits of MetaView is that my partner has done market studies in the past. He's, he's done over 500 market studies himself. Wow. So obviously okay. we want an independent market study to be done, but then he can do the deep dive and, and find the holes where are issues and you know what might present issues in the future. So obviously that's a, a nice benefit for us to have is that experience. Got in -house. it. So can you talk about some of the gotchas to keep in mind while underwriting a new construction senior housing, right? Because construction yeah. brings uh, its own challenges, right? From yeah. ground up titling, entitlement, getting approval from city, whatnot, right? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's right. So there's a couple things to keep in mind. Um, you know, one is you're still providing healthcare. So there are healthcare regulations and that's first and foremost is you want to make sure one, you know, we're working with a contractor who has built over 50 communities in the past. You want to make sure you've got a management team who is solid and is putting together um, expected expenses and numbers that are reliable and you can go to market with. 
Um, you know, again, on the diligence side, right, you have to have, for example, in our next community that we're building, right, we have independent living, assisted living, and memory care. Well, memory care has its own rules and regulations that you have to follow, right? It's got to have uh, locks, you know, locked doors yeah, on yeah. both sides so that patients can't just walk out. Alarm systems, we put in sensors, yes. we have, you know, special <laughs> locks. Within our bathrooms, we're going to have uh, special hold bars and things of that nature. So you really have to have an advanced, experienced team to make sure you don't, you know, make missteps there. And that's not my strength. That's where I re rely on on my partners and the general contractor to bring that to the table, as well as our architect. Our architect has designed over a hundred communities. So it's having that experience. And we talk about this in real estate all the time, right? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Yeah. Each of those pieces is in place. Yeah. Um, and if there's a, a weak link. Let's go ahead and, and stick. Right. Real estate is a team sport, right? And we know that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Completely. So, um, and also, because I'm acquiring an existing facility, right, which is already running, at, at, you know, at like 80% occupancy at 9, 10 cap. And once we raise the occupancy, the yeah, thank you. So once we raise the occupancy, that's our goal to 90%. It would be amazing, right? But uh, so we are able to, you know, start generating cash uh, from day one. How do you underwrite or how do you make sure, um, you know, that when you are done with the construction, how do you look at the cash flow, right? What's the distribution structure, et cetera? I'm just trying to understand that. Yeah, for sure. So typically you're looking at about, you know, 15 months from the build, right? Okay. So we'll close on Tuesday. We're immediately ready to start breaking ground so we can open in the fall of 2021. Okay. And that is typically a 12 to 18 month fill up to get right. to roughly 85% occupancy. Um, it's, I think it's important to know for, for your viewers and listeners that uh, typically independent living and memory care fill up fastest, assisted living is usually um, right. lower, uh, just because that's more need-based. Right. Um, memory care is need-based too, but there's such a shortage of beds. Exactly, they, yes. They typically go pretty quickly. There's a lot more demand, yeah. Right. Supply so, and demand. <laughs> that's right. So we build our, our pro forma off those numbers and those expectations and making sure that we have sufficient working capital, sufficient contingencies to make sure we get through that, that hurdle point. Typically, so basically... Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, please go ahead. Now, typically it's about 70% the break even point um, where we'll start cash flowing. And then once we hit 85%, we're looking at double digit cash on cash returns. We start hitting 99, 95% and they're, they're very attractive. Got it. So, uh, so when someone is investing in a new construction, senior housing or similar projects, you are looking at about two and a half to three years before they start getting uh, cash flow, right? That's right. Okay. Yep. So you have to be prepared and right. understand this is a, a longer term investment. Yep. You're not going to get return your money tomorrow. Right. You know, but, but one thing I think to keep in mind is, you know, you'll have, this is in the multifamily space, right? Uh, you know, some of the folks out there will promise immediate returns. Yes. You know, they'll deliver, but you have to know it's a, it's a point and a half. It's maybe 3%. Yeah. You know, the first year you're going to half and then you go get to 8%, which is fine if that, if you understand that for me, that that's not that exciting. 
you know, I'm looking for the, the, the larger returns. I'm willing to wait for those returns to happen. Right. Right. And so is our investor group. And I'm getting burned by those multifamily deals right now <laughs> that, you know, they promise, you know, this and uh, that, and you barely see anything, right? I'm right there with you. Yeah, so. I, think I got a couple hundred bucks deposited in my account the other day. I was like, oh, exactly. Oh, it's like 55 bucks. I'm like, ooh, ooh no. We are, <laughs> we are getting somewhere. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're going out tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... No, so how, what's your marketing plan like? Because once you do a new construction, you pretty much are starting from scratch. So how's your marketing team and, and what do you do to attract the right residents? Yeah, so that's where our management company is so key. And making sure you partner, if this is something that, that someone wants to do or is looking as an investor, make sure the management team is at, at top of their game. Uh, we, we partner with a management group that has uh, runs over 55 communities. So they've got, you know, policies and procedures in place pretty much from day one. So when we decide to begin marketing, which is typically in the six to 12 months before opening, you know, we're going to begin with, you know, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads. We're going to be looking at Google SEO. We'll do some targeted marketing to the local community. And then it's also built on the relationships that they have with local hospitals, um, you know, doctors, other community centers that are at capacity and have overflow. We want to build those relationships. So it's really uh, a multifaceted approach, but it's important that you have, again, that team, that marketing team in place to be able to execute on that strategy. Uh, my, my apologies, the, uh, they're doing a the lawn right outside my window. <laughs> oh, no worries. <laughs> so can you talk about your best deal uh, from real estate yeah, perspective? So, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about my best and worst deal yes. at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's in the business side, it's, but it's, I think, very applicable to real estate. So my, my best deal was investment um, in, a, in a small company um, in the healthcare side. It did very well and returned a, a very health, healthy multiple. Um, and I bring that up because I did my due diligence. I felt good about the market we were entering, the need that was there, the executive team that was in place, and felt very good about that investment going in. Then uh, a few of those same folks started another company. And yes. you, you, again, you know where this yes. is going, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> started another company, asked me to be an investor, I looked at it. I didn't feel comfortable. I saw some red flags and I had already made the conscious decision. Look, they had already done well in the past. So I'm going to do something. Um, and thankfully it wasn't at the same level I, I did before. Um, but you know, I lost that entire investment. And so I say that for the benefit of other folks, because you, you have to look at every single deal, whether it's business, multifamily, senior housing, real estate, doesn't matter what it is. Look at each deal independently. Right. And certainly the principles involved are a key factor, but you've got to crunch the numbers each and every time before making that investment. That's a, that's a great advice. Uh, and and uh, looking back, I have made the same decision where some of one of the, you know, large multifamily syndicator who did really good and returned like every two, three years, he would sell the apartment and would have returned 50, 60% returns. 
I ended up investing with him on a student housing and uh, they are about to lose um, you know, every penny of the investment. And I realized that even though may, he may have been good in multifamily, but that does not mean he can execute the same thing in student housing or you know, developing a condo. So as you said, even though the principals may be good, you know, they may know uh, what they're doing, but you know, every deal is different. It is, and you know, <laughs> I echo what you just said because like mine, the principals went into a completely new exactly. business area, <laughs> just like yours went from multifamily to students. Yeah. They are different. They are different niches, and you really have to fundamentally understand those differences. Yeah, and so, now the same syndicator is uh, constructing brand new self storage, condo development, everything. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think I can see where it is going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's also, I think you want a team that's focused on, on the ball. Yes. Um, you know, you talk about public storage, Would I love to go and, and did all public storage. Yeah. It sounds exciting, but you know, Paul Moore and his team, they already have great relationships and work with nice. fantastic oh. operators. They should stay in, 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 uh, in, in that lane and we're doing senior housing. We're going to stay in our lane and, and, uh, be successful there. So, and I would say the same thing for, for multifamily, right? Um, yep. It's important to keep your keep your eye on the ball and not get distracted by by all the shiny objects that are out there. Yep. You're listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. The Wealth Matters podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth w e a l t h matters m a t r s dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. I'm chatting with Mike Osteroff regarding senior housing. Mike, are you ready for fire round? Fire away, let's do it, Apesh. Okay, would you be changing any business or investment strategy after coronavirus? Yeah, so that's interesting uh, for a developer in senior housing. I think my answer is gonna probably surprise you and maybe others as well. Um, I was talking to a large fund manager uh, just the other day talking about supply and demand. And they had projected that supply um, would be, that demand would exceed supply pretty significantly by 2024 to 25. Really? That was kind of their okay. big hurdle where things were really gonna start swinging. Keeping my fingers crossed right, too. <laughs> well, you wait, till you, wait till you hear what I have to say next. So, so then I talked to him and he said, well, what we have seen during COVID is 50% plus development projects either just disappear or stop altogether. Right. So he says, so we're moving that up to 2022 to 23. So, wow. you know, when I heard that and digging in more and knowing what I know, we want to lean in even more into this process. So we want to do more projects at a quicker pace so that knowing that that many projects just stop right now, Right. 18, 18 months from now, there's going to be a real gap. And yes. you want to be prepared to fill that gap. So our team is really trying to lean into this opportunity and have, uh, have some senior housing ready for our seniors at that time. No, that's a great point. On top of that, what I'm learning, and I may be wrong, you, you may know more about, then you know, a lot of people or seniors are waiting to go back to nursing homes or assisted living. They're just waiting because of whatever has happened, right? So the facility we are investing in, uh, 
there is a wait list now and we are not accepting anyone for last three, four months because we are just scared, right? Everyone is scared. So as soon as this thing settled down, there would be another, you know, just from the demand side, right? There are a lot of people waiting. That's exactly right. And I heard the same thing that there is significant pent up demand. Right. And I think we're going to see um, a wave of folks come in in the next 90 days or so. And I think that's coupled with the fact that, you know, a lot of seniors during this time are living with their families, right? right. Well, their families, at some point, they have to leave their family. They have to begin living life again. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily minimize the risk for the seniors. And a senior housing is a much safer environment because it's a more closed environment right. than being in your home where you've got parents and kids going yep. out, running the stores, just doing life. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. No, I, I totally agree. So favorite real estate or finance or any other related book? So I'm going to give you three books and I'll focus on the third one. So, that, so the first one's the Bible. That's my go-to, not exactly a real estate book, but a foundation for loving God and loving other people. And I think that just is a, a good foundation for folks to have. Next is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Of my course. guess is almost every guest recommends. Every guest says it, so that's why I don't want to, you know, don't want to yeah, settle on, on the second one. The third one is a little geeky, but I think a critical book. And that's Tax Free Wealth by Tom Wheel. Oh, I love it. It's a I love that book. book. And I tell you what, if you're an investor, if you're just starting out in real estate, um, even if you run your own company, you, you have to do a deep dive. You have to really understand um, taxes and what the CPAs are doing and how the laws are written for yes. the benefit of those investors in real estate. And having that foundation and, and thinking about starting your own company, even if you're not doing anything yet, start your own company so that you get that momentum going and you begin to realize some of those benefits. I think it's really important. It's important so, so I would take this as the golden nugget of the show, right? Very important. Start your own company. So you'll understand, you know, how the businesses are run. And on top of that, you'll be able to take advantage of a lot of the things mentioned in the book, Tax-Free Wealth. By the way, after reading that book about uh, three years ago, I started taking tax courses just to learn more about taxes. And I'm an IT engineer. I have no clue about economics, <laughs> finance. But I was just fascinated and I learned so much about it that now and whenever I talk to my CPA, we just rattle off Schedule E, 1040, these, that. <laughs> That's great. I might it's, follow it's... your lead on that. I've just been listening to the, the different tax podcasts. But oh, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, well, actually. Tax-Free Wealth, I've probably read at least three, four times. Um, and that's the newest version that came out like 18 months ago. So yes. It's, it's, I think it's a really important read. Um, and like you said, I love what you just said too. Having people start their own company so that they better understand what their investments might be and, and are able to read and understand the other businesses right. because they've experienced running their own is invaluable. It, I totally agree. Any tool or website you recommend or you can't live without? I, you know, I don't really have your podcast. There you go. There's one. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I use QuickBooks. I, I don't, you know, I, I use different tools, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't say there's any one that I just love and thrilled about. So awesome. I, I leave that to the IT professionals out there <laughs> for better recommendations. Right. Any advice for beginner investors? 
Yes. Um, for beginner investors, you know, when investing, whether it's in a, a business or real estate deal, I'll use an example to maybe try and highlight this. Um, understand whether or not there are multiple avenues of revenue that's being proposed. So here's my example. I, I had a CEO talking to me, small company, and he said, hey, look, here's this investment. We're gonna sell these widgets. We've got three, four competitors in the space and uh, we're gonna sell to one of the competitors and you're gonna return, I'm gonna return a 30X to you, which is just, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. so, okay, all right, well, thanks for sharing. Um, what are the other revenue avenues? What are the other exit opportunities? Because what happens if that competitor decides, I don't wanna buy you and I'll just undercut you on price? And right. there, were, there was no other, oh. there was no response, no other opportunities. So, in real estate, what are the different opportunities? So, you know, one, one avenue is just buy and hold and wait for dividends. And that's okay. That's a revenue source. You know, a second route is to uh, have the real estate do a refinance, return equity to investors, and then hold it and issue dividends to the shareholders, right? Another strategy is uh, buy it, do a refinance, return some equity, hold it for some time, get some dividends, and then do a full sale and exit and return another multiple to your investors. Um, and another strategy that we're using is building a portfolio of properties, right? So we're building a brand, Meadowview Senior Living. We wanna have at least 10, um, 10 different communities that, in that portfolio. And while each one is individually owned and held, right. we know there are institutional investors out there uh, larger companies that will be interested in a strong portfolio. So that's yep. just another opportunity that we might be able to bring additional returns to investors. So, so that's my advice to, to beginner investors, really understand what are their different opportunities for revenue in what the investment might be. That's great. How do you give back? How do I give back? Well, that's what, another reason I, I got into real estate is like I said, I wanted to have my time time for family and, and time for ministry. So I support uh, two ministries, one's uh, called Potter's House and they support folks down in Guatemala City, Guatemala. So there's nice. roughly 13,000 people who, who live and work out of the city dump. So we go down oh. there, we just share the love of God, we provide educational services for kids, training for adults, um, you know, in, in just different areas that they might be able to, whether it's you know, doing hairstyling or whatever, um, providing health care to the community and, and doing things like that. So that's one ministry. Another one goes to, uh, I go to East Africa each year as well. And wow. we, do, um, we do discipleship training and work with local churches and help empower them to help empower the people. So those are my passions. Um, and, you know, doing real estate, it, it gives me that time um, and the, the economic opportunity to do that. So that's what I love to do. That's awesome. How can my listeners reach out to you? Uh, you can reach me at mosterhoff at gmail.com or you can uh, connect to me on LinkedIn at Michael Osterhoff or look, uh, look us up at metaviewseniorliving.com. That's all one word, metaviewseniorliving.com. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you, Mike. I had fun. Thanks, Alfash. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. 
Have a great week and happy investing.